Today we're continuing the series we've been in for a few weeks now. It's called Trustworthy, Why Truth Matters, because we're looking at the relationship between truth and trust, or faith, putting our confidence in things that we believe are true. And today, I want to uh, explore this question what is truth for? What is truth for? Might seem like a strange thing to ask, but think about it. It's one thing to believe that truth exists, that there's such a thing as true. There's a true account of, of things. And that was really the first goal of this series, to establish that, yes, indeed, there is such a thing as truth. That's not widely acknowledged today, or it's an idea that's been challenged, but we know that's true, and we know it mainly because Jesus said so. So we could engage in philosophical conversations about truth and whether it exists, whether it's relative or whatever, um, but as believers in Jesus... Our bottom line is, Jesus said there is such a thing as truth. So in John 18, 37, for example, Jesus said this, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness or to testify to the truth. So he says there is such a thing as truth, and he came to affirm that truth, uphold that truth, teach that truth, declare the truth. Truth does exist, according to Jesus. But what's it for? What's it for? What are we supposed to do with truth? And I just for a second, just stop and, you know, just silently or, you know, in your mind, ask yourself how you would answer that question. What are we supposed to do with truth? What's it for? There are several good answers that you could give. Most answers, though, have a problem in that they don't go far enough. They're good as far as they go, um, so you could call them partial answers. They're good, they're just inadequate. Uh, They tell us one thing that truth is for, but they don't really tell us the ultimate thing or the main thing that truth is for. And so what I want to do now is I want to list a few of these partial answers. Because if any of them are the answer you kind of defaulted to, yeah, that's what I think truth is for, well, then you'll know you need to go a little deeper based on what God's Word tells us. So you'll, you'll want to listen carefully to what God's ultimate answer to the question, what's truth for? So let's, uh, let's start with some partial answers. What's truth for? First answer, truth is for believing. Truth is for believing. And I think that one is pretty obvious. And clearly the Bible has a lot to say about this, about believing the truth and how important it is that we believe the truth. In the book of Mark, for example, the very first words Jesus is recorded as saying in his public ministry are these. The time has come, he said, 
the kingdom of God is near or has come near. Repent, turn around, and believe the good news. Believe the gospel. That's what good news is. In other words, believe the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. Believe the truth that He has come. He's come to rescue us from our sin and connect us to God's kingdom. That is a truth we need to believe. Jesus says so right here. So it's a very good answer as far as it goes. It just doesn't go far enough. Uh, and mainly, I think, well, partly that's, that's cultural, because I think in our culture it's very easy to think of believing as pretty much just a mental activity, something that happens in our minds. Uh, to many people, believing the truth is, is essentially believing the facts about something. And that apparently is why there are many people who say they believe in Jesus, but that belief seems to make absolutely no difference whatsoever in how they actually live. And that's what happens when we, when we embrace a partial truth and not the ultimate truth. And I think that's, well, I mean, this is, some of the biggest untruths that are out there, they almost always contain an element of truth. That there is truth there. And that's a great way to tell a lie. I'm not encouraging this, but mix a little truth in with it. And people will swallow that truth, and then the rest of it comes along with it. So it's a, it's a serious mistake to think that truth is only for mental agreement in the book of james 219 james has such a blunt, blunt way of putting things look at this you believe that there is one god you agree with the fact that there's one god good even the demons believe that and shudder the demons believe they believe the truth so you could just imagine, you know, what if, what if we were given an exam and you and Satan were both given the same test, checking out your knowledge of the Bible, your, your knowledge of biblical facts. Who do you think would get more answers right? I think Satan would whip us because I think he knows, he knows the facts he knows the facts about God. He knows the Bible very well. And yet his knowledge of Scripture, his knowledge of truth about God does him absolutely no good. Because he knows the truth, but he hates the truth. He hates it. Because he hates God. So yes, truth is for believing, but it's for more than that. We've got to go on. So second answer... Truth is for knowing what to say. Truth is for knowing what to say, knowing the answers, knowing the facts, and being able to communicate those. And this is the answer, you know, through my life, this is the one I kind of like have enjoyed, uh, knowing the facts so you can tell them to others, especially if they're wrong, you know. And you can show them why they're wrong, convince them that you're right. That can be fun. It can be pretty satisfying to know that you're right 
and be able to explain why. It's really dangerous, though. Really dangerous. Because knowing you're right so easily leads to arrogance and to a lack of love. It just becomes about winning arguments. So we've got to remember, we've got to remember, the only reason we know anything about anything is that God has been gracious to us. And he's enabled us to come to know that. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be able to know the truth. We really don't. But still, it's right. It's, it's good that we be able to speak the truth. The Bible tells us this in several places. Look at 1 Peter 3.15. It's one of the more obvious ones. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense, verbal defense, to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that, you, that is in you, yet... Do it with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. So he's telling us, always be ready. Always be ready to give a clear, gentle, that means humble, humble, respectful explanation of the good news, the truth about Jesus. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. So it is true. Truth is for knowing what to say. That's correct. That's a good answer. I want to balance that, though, with this thought. Um, that doesn't mean you have to say something in every situation. Seems like our culture has created this environment in which everybody feels compelled to say something about everything. And so no matter what happens in our world, no matter what the topic is, shows up on social media, everybody's got to share their thoughts and their opinions and their very strong feelings about that, even if they didn't know a thing about it five minutes ago. That's not what speaking the truth means. Look at James 1.19. This ought to rein that back a little. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, but slow to speak, slow to become angry. What would happen if that became the norm? Proverbs 29, 20 is even more pointed. Do you see somebody who speaks in haste? There's more hope for a fool than for them. Wow. Wow even worse than being a fool so sometimes not saying something is the wisest most loving thing you can do truth is for knowing what to say when something needs to be said but this is also a partial answer this this also doesn't go far enough take a look at what jesus said in matthew chapter 23 he says, the teachers of the law, the scribes, and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That's the place of authoritative teaching. <clears throat> so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. 
They're teaching you Scripture. They're teaching you God's Word. Be careful to do what they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. These people knew what to say. They knew God's truth well enough to explain it, to teach it to others, but they didn't do it. Brings us right to partial answer number three. Truth is for knowing what to do and doing it. For knowing what to do and doing it. It's not enough just to know the truth in our heads. It's not enough just to be able to explain the truth to other people. Truth is for doing. It has to be lived out. That's what Jesus was saying there in Matthew 23. And it's what James says in James 2.14. Now, look at this carefully. This is really important and it's sometimes misunderstood. We'll talk about it a bit. James 2.14, he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds, works? Can such faith save them? Make them right with God? And the answer, no. No. What good is it? It's no good at all. It's no good at all to claim to believe the truth and make absolutely no effort to live according to that truth. So be sure you get this, especially if you're somebody who's been, you know, coming to church like for years and years and years and hanging around the Bible and good Bible teaching and you've got a lot of truth in your head. There is absolutely zero value in saying that you believe in Jesus if you make absolutely no effort to do what He says. If it makes no difference in how you live. Now, why is that? Why, why is there no value in that? Is it because we are saved, we are made right with God by faith plus works? We need both in order to become right with God? No. No. Absolutely not. The Bible is so clear about this. We are saved. We are made right with God by one thing and one thing only. Faith in Jesus. Period. That's it. Galatians 2.16 We know that a person is not justified. Very important word. means made right with God. God declares that person right. Righteous. Views them as righteous. We are not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law, hardly anyone will be justified. Just a few will be justified. It's not what it says. No one. No one will be justified. 
by their efforts. So be sure you see it. So we're not made right with God by what we do, but only by trusting in Jesus and what He did. We are saved by His achievements, not by ours. And it's important to understand, faith isn't a work. It, it's also a gift, Scripture explains. But see, faith is looking away. It's looking away from yourself. It's looking away from your merit, away from your efforts, away from your achievements, and looking at Jesus and putting your confidence in Him. Okay, so then, why does James tell us that faith without works is useless? Because that's what he says. And here's the, here's the answer. What we do proves what we really believe. That's the point. So if we really do have faith in Jesus, that faith will be validated. It will be proven. It will be shown to be genuine by making a difference in how we live. Now, it's, it's not going to be perfection. Clearly not. But that's the, the point is, if I say I believe in Jesus, but show no inclination whatever to do what he says, to take what he says seriously, to try to you know, live that out, well, then it's very doubtful that my profession of faith in him is real. It'd be like somebody saying, yeah, you know, I got a lot of health problems, but boy, do I have a great doctor. I got the greatest doctor. And well, this physician, this guy's amazing. He knows everything. He's just brilliant. He's so, he's got more degrees than a thermometer. It's incredible what this guy knows. And uh, he, he is so caring. He is so skilled. I trust him completely. I just never do anything he tells me to do. You trust him, but you don't do anything he says? I don't think that word means what you think it means. And that's why it's hard to take people seriously when they say they believe in Jesus, but they've got hard, unforgiving hearts. Or somebody who says they believe in Jesus and they're just chronically gossiping about other people. Truth is not just for knowing and it's not just for telling. It's for doing. So is that it? Finally? Have we arrived at the ultimate purpose for truth? Truth is for knowing what to do and doing it? I already gave it away when I called this a partial answer. So, no. That's, that's not it. Okay, but why? Why is that answer still just a partial answer? Seems like that would be it. Okay, I need to have you look with me at what I consider to be one of the scariest, scariest passages in all of the Bible. Matthew 7. This comes at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is his conclusion. And uh, he says this. This is beginning in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, just stop there for a minute. 
Notice, well, first notice how serious this is. He's talking about entering into the kingdom, entering into the presence of God. And he says not everybody will do that. And he talks about people who call Him Lord. Lord, Lord. They know the truth. They know the truth about who Jesus is. Their theology of Christ is correct. Go on, verse 22. Many. That's the scary word. Many will say to me on that day. He's looking forward ahead to the day of judgment. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Now stop again. What does that mean? What does it mean to prophesy? It means to proclaim the truth of God and call people to believe it. Now sometimes, sometimes that includes information about the future. That's usually what people think of when they think of prophecy. But that's not the main thing. And usually that's not the case. Prophesying is proclaiming God's truth and exhorting people to respond. So these people did that. They could tell the truth. Go on. And in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. They not only knew the truth, they not only could tell the truth, they also did wonderful things that look like the truth in action. And Jesus doesn't contradict them. He doesn't say, well, no, you didn't do that. Apparently, they did. You think of Judas, who Jesus sent out. With the disciples, they went out two by two. And they did those things. They did good things, but it still wasn't enough because here's what Jesus says. Verse 23, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What's truth for? Here's the ultimate answer. The truth is for knowing God. The truth is for knowing God. Jesus says, it's not those who know what to believe. It's not those who know what to say. It's not those who know what to do and do it. Who enter the kingdom of God. Who enter God's presence. It's those who do the will of His Father in heaven. And what is that will? What is it? To know Him. To know Him. The absolute worst words anyone could ever hear from God are, I never knew you. Away from me. Because that's what truth is for. That's what truth is for. Now I want you to see it for yourself. I want you to see it for yourself. So look at 1 John 5.20. I mean, we see it there in Matthew 7, but look at 1 John 5.20. We know, and this is John, a believer in Jesus, writing to other believers, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God in eternal life. Now look at that. 
Jesus came to give us understanding. Why? So that we may know not what is true, but Him who is true. See that? Jesus didn't come just so we could know facts. He came so we could know God. Ultimate reality is not a fact. Ultimate reality is not a a statement to, to believe and to declare. Ultimate reality is a person to know. Truth exists because He does. Truth is simply an expression or a reflection of who God is. And so if we're content with just knowing facts... Now, I've known people who just say, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. I need more Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. That's great. But what God is ultimately after is not our heads chock full of Bible facts, but our heart filled with actual love for God and a knowing of Him relationally. Loving Him, loving others. Knowing God. Well, what in the world does that mean? I mean, good night. Knowing God? It sounds arrogant even just to say it. Somebody say, yeah, I know God. That's because we misunderstand the meaning of no. This this has nothing to do with how smart you are. This has nothing to do with how good of a person you are. A child, a child can know God in this sense Because this is talking about the knowing of relationship. And until we get this, until we get this, we miss the whole point of the Bible. We miss the whole point of Christianity. We miss the whole point of the good news. We miss the whole point of our purpose as a church. We say it's our purpose to connect people to the God who made them. That's a relational connection. That's what we mean. So believing the truth, being able to speak the truth, living the truth, all of that is for the purpose of loving relationships. First with God, and then with others. That's why Jesus said the greatest commandments are loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So any discovery of the truth, learning of the truth, sharing of the truth, it's got to be centered. It's got to be centered in a genuine, growing relationship with God because that's what truth is for. A relationship with God that leads us to love others. That's where the doing comes in. It starts with knowing God relationally. And again, I want you to see that what I'm saying here isn't just a product of my imagination. What I'm saying really comes from Jesus. Look at John 17, 1 through 3. Jesus here, this is the night before he's executed, and he knows. He knows that in just a few hours, he's going to go to the cross, and he's going to go to the cross, and he's going to experience in himself God's justice against sin. Now, not his sin, because he didn't have any. He experienced God's justice for our sin. He became our substitute. And he's praying about this. Look what he says. He says, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. 
Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might, look at it, give eternal life to all those you have given him. So that's what this is all about. This is all about Jesus giving eternal life to people just like you and me. Sinners who don't deserve eternal life, who are separated from God because of sin. That's why He's going to the cross. Okay? Well, what does that mean? Give eternal life. What's eternal life? Well, He answers it. Verse 3. Now this is eternal life. That they know You. The only true God and Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah whom you sent. Do you see it? Do you see how life and truth and knowing God are all interconnected here? Eternal life means knowing the true God. Not knowing about Him. Knowing Him. We all know there's a big difference between knowing about people and knowing people, right? You go to the supermarket, you go through the checkout, and there's those horrible tabloids telling you all about some celebrities. And you can know all about those celebrities way more than you need to. But you all know, if somebody said, well, do you actually know that person? You'd say, no. Big difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. This is not about knowing about God. This is about knowing Him. The knowing here is the knowing of genuine relationship. Okay, just stop for a minute. Do you realize? Do you realize that's what God wants for you? That that's what God's after? That that's what the good news of Jesus is ultimately all about? That's why Jesus came? To tell you the truth and to die for your sins so that you could know God? This is so often misunderstood. People think Christianity is all about, you know, a, 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 a really good system of ethics, of values, so that we can, you know, try the best we can. And then hopefully on Judgment Day, the good deeds will outweigh the bad deeds. And that's not it. It's not it. The God who is real wants you to know him. Now, and, and don't, don't think, don't be tempted to think, well, that knowing God, you know, that's for, those, that's for those super spiritual types. That's for those who are really knowledgeable or super committed, as if having a relationship with God is only, you know, for Bible college students or seminary graduates or something. And it's not, it is not, that having a relationship with God is something additional to being saved, to being a Christian. As if you could have your sins forgiven and you could go to heaven without having a relationship with God. That's not true. A relationship with God is what salvation is all about. There's no eternal life without knowing God. That's what truth is for. So how do we experience that? How does this happen? 
Okay, go back to 1 John 5.20. We also know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. There it is, that we may know Him. And we are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So Jesus is the way. Jesus is the connection. We come to know God by being in Him or becoming relationally connected to Him. By being relationally connected to Jesus, we become relationally connected to God. That's what this is saying. Look how Jesus put it in John 6, 40. For my Father's will. Okay, remember how the very, uh, back in Matthew 7, only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven, remember that? For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I will raise Him up at the last day. So you know I said faith was looking to Jesus, looking away from self, looking away from our performance, looking away from our achievements, looking away from how good we are or how bad we are, looking away and looking to Jesus and believing in Him. What does that mean? Relying on Him. It's on you, Jesus. It's not on me. I trust you. Or to say it another way, ask. Ask Him for this life-giving relationship that He came to give us. He said, give. Give. You know, before long it's going to be Christmas. Next week we're going to pack a whole bunch of shoeboxes for children all over the world. What do you do with a gift? Take it. Open it. Enjoy it. That's what you do with a gift. How many of you, when someone offers you a gift, say, oh, okay, hold on. Let me get my whole life cleaned up. Let me go out and do 100 good deeds before I can earn this good gift. Never. Never had my kids do that. They just take it on faith and receive it as a gift. So it's not enough to believe the facts. It's not enough to know what to say. It's not even enough to know what to do. It's having a relationship with God, the only true God, and only Jesus. I know that sounds like, well, that's so exclusive. It really is. Because only Jesus is who He is, the eternal Son of God, who became man, died on a cross, and rose from the dead. That's it. You can pretty much sum up every other religion and philosophy when it comes down to it, to the word do. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Maybe you'll make it. You can sum up Christianity with a very different word. Done. Jesus has done it. We simply receive it. And so it begins, it begins, this is important to grasp too. You know, it's not like, you enter a relationship with God and bam. Everything's suddenly, instantly perfect. No, the relationship has a beginning point, but it doesn't have an ending. It begins when you come to Him by faith. You ask Him for a relationship as a gift that only He can give you. So if you haven't yet, you could begin that relationship today. You tell Him you need Him. You tell Him you know. 
you realize you can't know enough, you can't say enough, you can't do enough to make yourself right with God. And so you say, Jesus, I need you to make me right with God based on what you did. I know I need a relationship with God. I know if it was up to me, it wouldn't happen. But I'm asking you to give me that relationship because you, you said you came for that. Just tell him you need him. Let's pray right now. And I know, I know many of you have already taken that step of saying, yes, Lord Jesus, I, I can't know enough, tell, say enough, do enough to be good enough, but you will make me good enough. You say, you promise, and so I'm asking you to do that for me. Many of you have taken that step already, but maybe today you're realizing, yeah, you know, truth is a bigger deal than maybe I'm living right now. So help me, Lord, remember that it's ultimately all about a relationship with you. Help me know what I should know and say what I should say and do what I should do. But ultimately, Lord, may, it, may I remember it's all about, all about knowing you. And yeah, you may be here and maybe today, really for the first time, it's suddenly clicking. And you realize that you don't have that relationship, but you want it. And I would just encourage you right now to ask Jesus for it. Say, what do I say? Well, that's really not the main thing, but as I said, you just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Ask him as many as received him. The Bible says God gave the right to become children of God. There it is again, relationship. Just ask him for it. If you want to talk to somebody afterwards, someone you came with or Talk to me. Uh, if you want to make an appointment, talk about it later in the week. That'd be great. When you uh, fill out your Connect card to let us know you're here, you can just say, I'd like to talk to somebody about this. But right now, I'm just going to be quiet and let us all pray. And you just tell him whatever is on your heart. Let's pray. Father, sometimes it just blows me away that, that I even get to do this, that I get to stand up here and tell this incredible good news that Jesus came, that we might have a relationship with you. That just is amazing. It, it feels almost too good to be true. That you would receive us and make us your children, not based on any merit of our own, because we know we don't have enough but that you sent your son to take on himself the justice for all the wrongs we have done, all that's messed up about us. Thank you. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us live in relationship with you through Jesus. And if there's someone here who hasn't yet taken that step, I pray you just help them across that step and give them eternal life. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.